Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are back to continue our book tournament. We have the Elite Eight. So once again, we are going to pit the number one seed against the number eight seed and vice versa. It looks like the way it worked out that Gail and I will both be advocating in each round for books <laughs> that we selected originally. So just never know. I think how that's fine because. Well, the goal of this is to champion books. It's not to compete with each other. So I think that's fine. So first up, we have Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro versus Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. So Gail, do your best. Okay, sure. To make the case for both books. You're right. These are both my books. I'm going to you know, go back to our original criteria, which is what was the author trying to do here? Do we think that the author succeeded? And will this book stand the test of time? And I'm going to make the arguments for each one of these. So let's start with signal fires. I think that what Danny Shapiro was doing here was looking at life and the changes of life and mortality and love and family and grief and death and all of the big issues that we grapple with so much in kind of domestic family literary fiction. And she was just trying to, you know, tell a story about it. Was it doing something groundbreaking? Not necessarily. Was it, you know, an incredibly unique look at it? Maybe because there was a little bit of magical realism in the book. That was not my favorite part of the book, but it's there. So I don't think that, you know, there's like a huge leap forward in terms of like domestic fiction. I just think she did it in an incredibly poignant way. So she very sensitively and beautifully and thoughtfully told what I think is a very universal story. So I would say that's what she set out to do. I do think that she succeeded. I was very moved by this book. I know many, many other people who were very moved by this book. And I think, you know, she certainly brought the reader along in her, you know, the journey of these people. Will it stand the test of time is a great question because, like I said, this is domestic literary fiction about a family going through very universal things. So it could be that over time, this book kind of fades into the sort of pile of lots of domestic fiction that handles the same issue. For me, I know it will stand the test of time because she is one of my favorite writers. And it was probably, I think I've been on record as saying it was my favorite book from last year. But I guess for lots and lots of readers, I'm not so sure. The The pairing we have here is with Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which was also a universally beloved book from last year. Uh, That is a book that I believe, you know, she wanted to write a book about ambition, about friendship, about creativity, about who owns ideas, about how success changes friends over time, friendships over time, and also about kind of different forms that love can take that it can be platonic, it can be romantic, sometimes it can be both at the same time, sometimes it can change from one to the other. 
So I think that, you know, she sort of had this idea in her mind about this, this like industry that she wanted to set it in the video gaming and she wanted to, you know, the context she wanted to place it in and talk about what are also some very universal themes. For the third criteria, will this stand the test of time? Yes, I do think it will because it is very unique. It's memorable. It is a book that it just seems like it touched a lot of people, especially people who were surprised by how interesting they found the world of gaming. You know, they thought, oh, this sounds boring, a book about gaming. I don't know anything about gaming. But then they kind of came out the other end and was like, wow, that was really interesting. And I learned a lot. So I think that that those are the strengths of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Again, hitting universal themes, but doing it in a really unique way and one that has proven to be pretty memorable. That's my case for both of those two books. Okay, so next up we have Complicit by Winnie M. Lee and Blacktop Wasteland by S.A. Cosby. Complicit, I believe that the author set out to write a story, a coming-of-age novel about a young woman who is put in a situation where she's examining the choices that she's made and wondering if she is complicit in the sexual assault of another actress whom she worked with many years ago. This book has lots of themes about, it's about an immigrant family who've had this, who have this daughter who's gone to a Ivy League college. So she's really, really set on making a name for herself and making her parents proud, but she wants to do it in a way that is not traditional. She does not want to be a lawyer. She doesn't want to be a, a banker. She wants to work in film. So basically, once she graduates, she takes an entry-level job and works her way up to producer. And while she's on the set, she sees a lot of different things that she's later interviewed by a New York Times like best-selling writer who is coming to dig up the story. And we know that her life has taken a turn that she had not expected it to take because she is now a professor who is teaching film instead of still working in the industry. So she has to grapple with what happened back then, you know, what culpability does she have? She is interested in telling her side of the story for the first time. And I believe that this story tells the test of time because this has happened to women. It's been a situation that we've been in for years and years and years. It's just now getting to the point where more and more we're taking people more seriously when they come forward with their stories and trying to hold women accountable, even though it still doesn't happen as much as we would think. So I think that she does succeed in successfully telling the story. You know, it has the coming of age themes. It has the immigrant child who's trying to prove herself, you know, and it's also just a young woman who is like pitted against this industry that is very old and very ingrained. And so it's a lot about power dynamics. Will it stand the test of time? Like I said before, I feel like this is something that we don't stop hearing about. So I do believe that, you know, in 10 years, in 15 years, this will not be an obsolete topic, unfortunately. On the other hand, we have Blacktop Wasteland by S.A. Cosby. The themes in this are like moral ambiguity, an underdog who wants to beat the odds. This book is about a mechanic who he lives in a southern town. He's trying to support his family. He used to be a getaway driver, but now he 
is trying to be on the straight and narrow, but he doesn't, like he comes upon hard times and he has to take one last job, which goes spectacularly wrong. But it calls into question like who he thinks he is. Is he going to be able to make, is he going to be able to make a living as a black man in legitimate means in this small Southern town that he lives in? So his father was also a criminal, a getaway driver, I believe. So it's something that is inherited. And he goes through this fight against himself. The subject matter is timely. I believe, you know, racism in a small town. How is it that working class people, how difficult it can be to keep your feet in a working class world and not drift over into a life of crime because it's so hard to make ends meet, especially because you're black. So I set out, he set out to prove all of these things. And I believe that he was successful in it. And on top of it, it's just like this high octane page turner where you're just wondering what's going to happen. You know, like, is he going to be caught? Is he going to be able to, to successfully transition back to just being a family man and mechanic? Can he leave his past behind? So it just has like such thriller and suspenseful elements. And I do believe that this will stand the test of time. All right. Okay. Our next pairing is again, two of mine. French Braid by Ann Tyler versus This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. Okay. French Braid by Ann Tyler. I think again, sort of similar to Signal Fires, French Braid is intended to again tackle kind of universal themes about families, about the dynamics within families you know, how we change over time, how our relationships to the people we love change over time, expectations of life. You know, it's it's an Ann Tyler book, so it's going to be kind of small in scope geographically and in terms of characters, but large in scope in terms of life and milestones and what it covers. It is, you know, quintessential Ann Tyler set in the same place she sets all of her books And with that very gentle and empathetic way of really dissecting very normal lives. Do I think this will stand the test of time? Yes, because I think all of her books have. I mean, I think that, you know, people know what they're going to get from an Ann Tyler book. And I think that this one, for me anyway, ranks very high up there with her other ones. So I think for people who are fans of hers or fans of this type of work, this is a book that people could reach for, you know, again and again. The book that it's up against is This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. This is a time travel book about a woman who goes back in time repeatedly to her 16th birthday in an attempt to alter the future so that she might save her father who in present day is sick from, you know, a disease that may or may not have been preventable. So, This is also trying to examine mortality and losing people we love, losing parents, aging. And, you know, like most time travel books, it's kind of trying to sort of get to the heart of like, can we achieve immortality? Which I think is always such an interesting question. And, you know, by 
bending the chronology of life and changing the order in which we we live, you know, maybe there's a way that we can kind of reverse aging and reverse just the, the cruelty of time. So I think that this is a universal desire and theme. And I think that she did a nice job with it here. The, the science-y time travel element of this book is on the lighter side. So for people who are not huge fans of time travel or kind of roll their eyes at it or just feel it, it's really confusing. I think that she does a nice job here of kind of addressing those concerns. Uh, and I do think this will stand the test of time as well. It's a very different book from other ones she's written. So it doesn't feel like it's just kind of like fading into the Emma Straub pantheon. I think that, you know, I don't know what she's got coming up next, but I feel like it was a bit of a departure from her and that made it really interesting. Um, I don't know how well read this one was. I, I, I know that there was some buzz when it came out, but I, I feel like that buzz went away kind of quickly especially because there was this juggernaut book tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow, which the titles are like a little bit similar. And I wonder if, you know, people could just kind of, this one sort of faded away. I don't know, but I could see picking this book up again. And I think that it has some longevity to it. So those are my two. Okay. So the final pairing is more than you'll ever know by Katie Gutierrez against Win Me Something by Winnie Imley. So I'll start with more than you'll ever know. And it tackles themes of, of family and relationships and motherhood and loss and overcoming trauma and infidelity through the lens of this story about a woman who is basically a bigamist and one husband kills the other husband and the young investigative reporter who is drawn to her story for reasons of her own. She starts investigating and they form a relationship where they really take a look to see what was driving this crime. And they form a relationship that kind of heals a little bit of the wounds that they're carrying because the young reporter is, you know, she's from an abusive family. She's in a relationship that, you know, is safe, but not as fulfilling as she would want it to be. She has a brother who is still living with her abusive father. And then on the other hand, you have Delore, who's the one who was a bigamist. And she is, you know, still grappling with the decision that led to the death of one of her husbands, you know, both of whom she loved, both of whom she thought brought out parts of herself and made her whole. So in this examination of her choices, the two bond, like I said, and are able to, things are revealed and are able to, and they're both able to find some kind of healing in the midst of all of this. And it is done in a very suspenseful way because details of the crime unfold as they get to know each other and trust each other more is revealed about both of their situations. I think that the author set out to take a look at the power dynamics in relationships to examine what it means to be a woman and to be thoroughly fulfilled by your life and like what are the consequences that come along with making the choices where you might be sacrificing your family or making choices that are not necessarily 
the ones that we expect women to make. I think that's timely because that's something that women always have to grapple with, you know, like whether it's work-life balance or whether you are the ideal mother or parent to your child that society expects you to be. And, you know, how are you willing to balance these things in order to allow for you to be fully realized as a person? And I, I do think that she successfully examined those. And I think that these are timely issues that women will always be grappling with just because it seems like child rearing is the domain of women. So on the opposite side of that, we have Win Me Something, which is about a young, a young woman who is kind of adrift. She takes a job as a nanny with a white family who lives in Tribeca. And we just get to see the difference in the lifestyle that she's accustomed to, how she's trying to fit in, how she's trying to find herself. And she has some wounds that she carries because she is from a mixed family. You know, she, I think she's half Chinese. She's half white. Both parents have remarried and she feels adrift in both families. Like she really doesn't fit in, in either one. So I think that she set out to write just like the quintessential coming of age novel when you don't feel comfortable in your own skin. This is basically a fish out of water story about someone who is trying to find who she wants to be and where she wants to be in her family and in her life and in her career. So I think that that's also very timely. I mean, we're always going to have people who are going through adolescence, who are grappling with questions of identity, who are trying to figure out where they belong. That's not something that is going to go away. And I do think that she was successful in framing her story with her young protagonist, who was a little bit apathetic, which sometimes can be hard for me to read, but there were just like such compelling and poignant moments in the story that, you know, even though I don't think that when I first read this book that I would have entered it into a competition like this, those moments push the needle and here we are. So those are the choices you have. Gail, once again, the criteria that people are voting on. So what was the author trying to do? Did the author succeed? And will this book stand the test of time? Okay. So we did that a little backwards just because we wanted to make sure Mm -hmm. that we could get in our final four. So now (laughs) to the part of the show that you would normally hear at the beginning. Gail, what have you been reading? Oh boy. Okay. So it's been a little while since we last talked. So I'm trying to remember what I last spoke about on the show. I have read some good stuff. I read Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld, which I loved. This is a very, this book is everywhere. And I'm sure most people have heard of it by now. It is a book about a woman, a writer on an SNL type show who develops a relationship with the um, musical musical guest slash host who appears on the show one season. So the first half of the book is about them, the sort of that week and a very painstaking description of what happens during the week when they go, you know, when sort of what happens, the chronology of putting together the show. So that's the first half of the book. The second half of the book 
it's now the pandemic and the two of them kind of reconnect over email and it's about what happened. It's a romance. So, I mean, you can pretty much guess what happens, but it's just a delightful book. It, I read it really quickly. I enjoyed every page of it and it was just lots of fun. So I highly recommend romantic comedy. I also read Small World by Laura Zygman, which is one of the books that I had brought up when we did our, I guess it was our winter slash spring preview. This is a book about two sisters who move in together as adults. They've had a relatively traumatic childhood due to losing one of the third sister when they were young. She had, I think it was cerebral palsy. And it's just about how these kind of two very damaged women try to reconnect later as adults. It is not a light book. It's <laughs> reminded me a little bit of like Rufy Thorpe or Eleanor Oliphant is fine. I think that was the name of the book. It's it's definitely got dark humor and it's not like a warm and fuzzy book, but I enjoyed it a lot. I'm a big Laura Zygmunt fan and I thought this one was pretty good. The other ones I want to mention, Women Are the Fiercest Creatures by Andrea Dunlop. This is a book about... Three women who are all related somehow to the CEO of a sort of social media platform startup. And one is his ex-wife, one is his current wife, and one is a woman who, with whom he was involved before. And he's a pretty bad guy. He's a narcissist and doesn't treat women well. And it's kind of just about how these women sort of like why they were with him, what their relationship was with him and how they kind of fit together and, and sort of try to take their lives back from him a little bit. I was expecting this to be much more kind of a hard hitting book about the tech world and Silicon Valley and how women are treated. And it ended up being a little lighter and a little bit almost more thrillery than that. I don't know if this thriller is not the right word, but it, it was fine. I didn't think it was great. It was definitely not not the fa- my favorite book that I've read recently. But those are the th- most recent three. I think I talked about Pineapple Street already on the show. So did you? I, will... I read Pineapple Street. Oh, maybe we so didn't talk about refresh it. Refresh me on what you thought about it. I thought it was fine, but nothing great. <laughs> I'm sort of yeah. surprised by the hype. You know, it it was. Oh yeah. Yeah, rich people behaving badly, but like there just was very but little conflict or tension. Right. Badly. Not that interesting. Nothing really that bad happens. They're all super rich. They don't have any problems really to speak of. <laughs> I thought it was fine. What did you think? Um, yeah, I thought it was I don't know. I vacillated between first of all, I picked it up because it had been all over the place. And when I went to the bookstore, the book that I wanted wasn't in, so they had to order it. So I was like, oh, let me just get this in the meantime. But like you said, it's like rich people kind of, you know, behaving badly or just being really privileged. And, you know, I think that there were some hints at wanting it to be about more or about, it was like diversity thrown in, but just so, so shallow, you know, like, any questions of race and class are resolved pretty much right away. Or they're just like observations in this family's life that go on. Like one of the women is married to an Asian man and she just in passing makes a comment about how she wished people wouldn't comment on what her kids look like, or I I don't know. It was, it was pretty shallow. I was very Mm -hmm. surprised that it got as much hype as it did. And I also feel like, 
tip to compare it to Edith Wharton. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. What? Yeah. It was supposed yeah. to be like, you know, you know how she just writes these, I mean, Edith Wharton writes like these really witting, biting social satire about wealth and wealthy families. And I think, you know, that that was the, com- the comparison that it was like, which of her novels did they compare it to in particular? And it's just, it's just like nothing like it. Yeah, I totally agree. So I didn't, I didn't think it was that great. It was just okay. I mean, it wasn't like I managed to read it. I was a little bored at times. It it was fine. I think it just, how you respond to this too, I think will respond, will depend a lot on how you're feeling about rich people books. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who just have like an insatiable appetite for them. And I think then fine. But like, if you're sort of like, you know, but if you want really to handle like with any kind of heft yeah, or seriousness or any kind of weight, then this is, this is not it. Like the problems in it were not real. Yeah, completely. And they were, they were pretty quickly wrapped up. Right. Yeah, totally agree. I heard on, I think it was Sarah's podcast that the publishing industry was really getting behind this book this year. Like this was going to be like their big book of the spring or whatever. And I'm just like, why this one? Why pick this one? I know she's an industry insider, right? I think part of it, (laughs) it's interesting that she wrote this book about like, I think she kind of wrote what she knew because this is set in Brooklyn Heights you know, Pineapple Street, whatever, she makes this point that it's like this really insular community and whatever. But there's like these articles about this $4.2 million home that she bought in Brooklyn. And she works, she's an editor at Knopf. So I think she's edited a lot of big books, which is interesting that she would edit at Knopf and write the book that she wrote. You know, maybe she's just like writing something fluffier. She did say that it was like missing the gossipy, goings on with her friends during the pandemic. But I, I really do think that this got such a big push because she's an industry person. I just, I mean, it's to me, it doesn't stand out enough to make it the big book if you don't have people who will champion you or who know you and are just excited that you wrote a book. I guess so. <laughs> We're baffled. We're <laughs> Yeah. Not our cup of tea. Yeah. How about and you? What I also have you read something else that was a little lighter. I read Advoca, Advoca and the Hollywood Wives by mm. Kirthanon Ramasethi. That looked interesting. And yeah, she wrote, she wrote another book that I had been, this was one of those books where I didn't read the book that I meant to read. Like, cause she had another book that came out. So I read this one, which I think is her second novel. And I don't know. I didn't love this one. What was her other one? Okay. So this one is about a young bartender who is also a screenwriter who is just kind of like depressed and lost because she's just lost her twin sister in this tragic accident. So while she's bartending, she's bartending this Oscar party. This producer comes over to her, this famous multi-winning, multi-award winning producer. He's just won his like fourth Oscar or something. And he comes over. It's like instant relationship. 
I think she questions her feelings for him, not really in love, but feels pressured and marries him. And it turns out that he has a history of just marrying young women. And when his first wife dies, she leaves a video videotape or um, not a tape, but like a, a film reel to her and says that she'll give her a million dollars if she will divorce her husband. So of course this sets her on this journey of discovering her husband's, the lives of her husband's former wives. And, you know, why would someone, why would one of his wives like basically want to end the marriage? I don't know. This is another one that was really pretty shallow. There were parts of it that were really compelling. I think that when she was looking at the dynamics with his other wives, it was a little bit interesting, but for the most part, I didn't find her to be like, I didn't love her as a character. She just went along with this relationship very easily, put up no resistance whatsoever, just made no sense how they were together. And I just didn't think that the ending resolved in a plausible, in a plausible way, you know, that there's this plot twist that I just didn't love. It was kind of anticlimactic. And I also did not think just based on who the characters were, who her husband was, that it would have been able to stand. But she wrote Dava Shastri's last day, which I had been really interested in reading because I thought it was, was going to be good. Maybe I should have picked this one. Uh, Yeah. This is a second book. So I don't know. I'm like really mixed on this one. Okay. Got that one. Yeah. Maybe try. Did you want to read Dava Shastri's last day? Is that the one about the woman who's kind of like, like looking down at her funeral or something. Am I thinking of a different book? I don't know. Let's look. Cause I think I thought that sounded interesting. And then I read not such great reviews. Oh, let's maybe I'm thinking okay. of the wrong. So Dava Shastri's last day. No, I think that might be a dying billionaire matriarch leaks news of her death early. Yeah. So she can examine her like a legacy. Yeah. A decision that horrifies her children. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that she comes up with, like, this would have been a, this is an interesting premise. And and then the other one that I read, it was a really interesting premise, but she just, there's just not enough meat on them. Got it. It reminds me of that book whose name I cannot remember right now that we both read, that we both didn't like, and because we wanted it to have a little bit more weight. Is, is this the one about the family in India? Yes. Yeah, they win the lottery <laughs> yes, and then they the windfall. Right. Yeah, the windfall. Yeah. yeah, right. Okay. All right. Kind of like that. Some things don't make sense, really shallow, like really love the idea of the plot, just the execution fell short for me. So the last book that I'm going to mention today was I read Bed on Black by Ebony K. Williams. I <laughs> I have an I have well, first of all, I think reality shows like Black women on reality shows, I really don't think they mix. So I feel like I read these books because I'm always curious about someone who has decided that they want to be on on these reality shows and then they don't go well. So she was on The Real Housewives of New York. And I think after the season that she was on there, they replaced the entire cast. And so she talks a lot about, you know, that season and being her authentic self. So basically this is, I guess, kind of like her love letter to black people and 
you know, just how they can center their own experiences and, and move forward. So she gives like these nice tips about being authentic to yourself, no matter where you are, you know, how to put yourself in different positions to like not turn down opportunities because even the opportunities that you think where you might not fit in, you have a chance to just to be yourself and, you know, bring yourself into different situations. Because I think in addition to being on Real Housewives of New York, she's an attorney and she also did a lot of work on Fox News. And she talks about how being there wasn't necessarily, you know, to be conservative, but to provide a different point of view. And, you know, she talks a lot about the flack that she got. So she's like done some interesting things and just, and has had an interesting life, which made me want to read, read this book. And then too, in terms of women, she talks a lot about having your own board, like a, and this can be a diverse board too, of people who you can come to, to make decisions about yourself, who like know you, who have your best interests at heart and are willing to provide advice. So I'm curious to see her season because I guess, I I think she was just like so different to the women in there that her season was supposed to be full of friction. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That is one reality franchise I've never watched. I've just never watched any. The Real Housewives. Yeah, never got into any of them. Yeah, I haven't watched any of them. I watched the one season of The Bachelorette that had the back the Black Bachelorette. So I was just like really curious about what her experience was going to be, and in watching it, and from my what I've read about it, it seems like they took some agency away from her in terms of her choice and how they framed their relationship. My cat is <laughs> going crazy. I don't know if this will be audible on the. <laughs> But he really wants to get my attention. Yeah. So I don't even know what I was saying now. About the Bachelorette. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I watch a lot of reality TV, but just not any of the Real Housewives stuff. Yeah. The only other one I've watched is Love is Blind. Oh, I like that season. one. Have you seen all the seasons? No, I think I only watched one, but I just like the, I like the premise. <laughs> So you told us what you were reading, what you have read. What are you reading? Now? Oh, right now. Anything you're working on? Yeah. Now? So I oh I finished. I forgot to mention this one. I finished Mame by Jessica George. Oh, yep. I forgot to mention that one because I was looking at my blog and I haven't reviewed it yet. I did Mame on audio. I liked it quite a bit. That's a book about a, a Ghanaian woman living in London who's. She's the primary caretaker for her father who has Parkinson's and her mother sort of returns to Ghana for long periods of time. So when the book opens, her mom is going to be returning to help care for her father. And she sort of decides it's like time to get her life started. Like she's going to move out and she's going to, you know, get a new job and find a boyfriend. So it's really all about just like (laughs) her life stages i may have coming of age. yeah i may have made that sound a lot lighter than it is because it's really not a light book because she's dealing with lots and lots of stuff she's dealing with a very a very sick parent she's dealing with you know just trying to date and find a relationship and live with roommates for the first time i, I liked it a lot it it kind of felt long like it felt just a lot to get through just because there's a lot in it and some of it is pretty emotional so there was, you know, it was not. And it's not even a very long book. It's not a very long book. I think it's like the usual, like three, three fifty or something. 
but it just it was mm. good it was good i did it on audio and i liked the audio i liked the narration a lot so i, I recommend it um i thought it was pretty good and then i am yeah i really liked it yeah so i'm listening now to, oh wait so you did read it mm-hmm. oh, oh oh okay so remind everyone what you thought of it i forgot that you had read it too no no i i i really did like it i think i thought i told you that you might like like this one i read it so quickly and like you said, it, you know, it, it does kind of sound light sounding like, oh, yeah, you know, her mom is moving back in and she's going to get out and live out, live her life. But she's grappling with a lot just in terms of how she's been treated within her own family and how she sees herself and how she wants to be in her career and with her friend. So I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm listening to Pretty Good Actually by Monica Heisey. You might have seen this cover. It's a woman. She's got mascara running down her face and she's got red hair piled up on top of her head. I don't know if you've seen that around. (laughs) And this is about a woman who gets divorced in her 20s and she lives in Toronto and just kind of about her life. It's it's not terribly plot driven, but it's entertaining. No, it's fiction. No, it's a novel. It's fiction, yeah. It's okay. it's very entertaining. She's very funny. It's not not a lot is actually happening. So I'm I, I'm about maybe 25% of the way through. And so I'm curious to see whether that's going to continue. But it was it's pretty good. And I'm trying to What prompted you to pick that one up? I think my best friend read it and recommended it to me and I got it in the library. I have a bunch of library books that are all okay. due and I'm like frantically trying to <laughs> read them before the end of the month because they're really late. And I'm trying to get into Hello Beautiful, which I know I'm going to love, but for whatever reason, I'm like on page 25 and I can't get past it. And so I know everyone I know who's read it has really loved it. Like to the point that people are like, this is the best book I've read all year and potentially like in five years. And I just, I think for whatever reason, I have not been in the right mindset for it. So I'm either going to put it aside, pick something up and then re come back to it. Or I'm just going to push myself through these like 20 pages and get hooked. Cause apparently like you get hooked really fast and can't put it down. But you didn't, you didn't love dear Edward. And isn't that the same? It is the same author. And I've heard a lot of people say they did not like dear Edward, but they love this one. So I, I kind of was convinced to, yeah, because I did not love dear Edward for sure. Will you watch the Dear Edward adaptation on I don't Apple know. TV? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Just okay. Will you? I started The Last Thing He Told Me. Oh, how is it? So far, it's kind of slow. Okay. <laughs> They're just in the beginning stages where, you know, Owen's missing. and They're just trying to figure out what in the world is going on and showing lots of flashbacks of their lives. It seems like it, it's following the book pretty faithfully so far. Okay. But I am going to watch the other, was it Tiny Pretty Things? Oh, Tiny Beautiful Things. things. Yeah, I really want to watch that one. Tiny Beautiful Things? Yeah. I'd like to watch that too. Um, And I'm going to try watching Dear Edward. It looks like the show might be, I didn't, the book was never on my radar to read, but I might be, I may give the show a try. Yeah. Yeah, I did not like the book. So, (laughs) okay, Gail. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I guess I've made that clear. Well, I think that probably took that into consideration. It was like Gail hated this book. I mean, I wouldn't say hated it. I just thought it was, it felt kind of superficial given the subject matter and unrealistic. But apparently Hello Beautiful okay. is really different. That's from what I've heard. It's very different. All right. Well, it looks like our time is up. I have to go see what my cat wants. Okay. <laughs> He's like nonstop. All right. So next show, we are going to do the final four. So please go vote for your favorites in the matchups we just did. So you can find the voting yes, at vote. thereaderlyreport.com, right? 
Is that the word is? Yes. And, and the link will also be in the show notes. In the show so notes. either way you listen, make sure you vote yep. in the show notes, or you can go to the episode on the readerly report.com and you can vote there yeah. as well. Next time we should also discuss our book club pick. Cause I think we're both finished. Oh, uh, Rebecca Mackay. Yes. Yes. Okay. That sounds good. Until next time. Happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the readerly report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.